0: Welcome to episode 108 of Friends of Film, a podcast covering the latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Shazam's super cameo, Mission Impossible 6's title, Captain Marvel set photos, and more. After review, Maze Runner: The Death Cure. As always, I'm your host, Crew Hood. Once again, joined by man who could probably find his way out of a maze, Josh Straley.
1: And I'll tell you my secret. I start at the end of the maze and work my way to the beginning of the maze. Are you sure you could find the beginning? Yes, because it says start here. I'm like, no, I'll (laughs) just start at the end. But most people are just like, you really want a kitty menu with the maze on? I'm like, yes, please give
0: me the menu. I mean, who doesn't want games when you're eating? Exactly. Helps pass the time. For sure.
1: But uh, hey, everyone, uh, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows, which are on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And please, please leave us a review. It
0: really, really helps other people find the show and us get noticed. Exactly. And if you also didn't know, we also started a website this year. Uh, we're posting written reviews uh, at least once a week. And in a week like this, we have multiple reviews up. If you guys want to look at those there, you can find them at, by searching. Searching? That's not yep. how you use the internet, is it? You people Google go, things. Go to your URL and just type in friendsandfilm.wordpress.com. And you know we've posted... Uh, five reviews as the time of this recording in the last week. There may be seven up, but maybe even eight by you, the time you guys th- get up with a three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri review. Yes, as well as one for uh, Itania mm-hmm. with a deeper, yes. maybe insight into your 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 thoughts on that movie. For calling by your name before we start recording. And cannot you, wait to read. You, you may see one about Den of the Netflix movie potentially in the works. Yes. It's on its way. A uh,
1: Futile and stupid gesture.
0: Okay. Um, but I also did the review this week for Maze Runner, The Death Cure, yes. which is the hero movie we are here to review. Uh, we'll probably touch on spoilers for this movie. So if you want to avoid those, you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, there'll be a timestamp in the description of those episodes. You guys can skip those spoilers. But hopefully you have seen it, so you can stick with us through this entire review, but also the rest of the episode as well. And if you've read the review already, maybe you have. I hope you have. If you haven't, go check it out again. But I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was such a good time. Uh, You know, I was... I was not very excited for this movie. Okay. Like, if you'd asked me last week, I mean, even when we did our what Review we next week episode, we we're, were both poking fun at this <laughs> opening. Looks like it never ends, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. we get it. You have this big action set piece with a train. What else do you got? And yeah. I was worried about this movie. It had been delayed several times, uh, partially because of Dylan O'Brien's injury that I suffered in that train sequence, but when that opens the movie, you're just like, locked in you're like okay i'm here for this movie Mm -hmm. it's such a good start and uh a lot of that credit goes to west ball the director who i thought did an excellent job here just like he has done in the first two movies um i mean the way he does action is so enthralling and captivating that that train sequence is great there are huge set pieces near the end that you're just like They're just kind of insane to think, and I'm like, how'd you come up with this? But they're really entertaining, and the spectacle of it all is great. There's a uh, really fun break-in portion of the movie, which is done really, really well as um, 2, which I really enjoyed. Um, And, you know, it just does... He does so much stuff right here in terms of the action that it also helps when, in the third... in some of this franchise, you get... More VFX, or better VFX. You get set design and, um, you know, the production budget to really make everything look exceptional.
1: And also, though, when you say that, r- reminder the production budget on this thing isn't that great either. I mean, not that high either. Yeah, which was like, what? <laughs> Do you
0: have the number? I eighty-one million. Yeah, which I mean, that's that that is a good middle range. You know, franchise installment. The middle budget movie, Cooper, is alive. It is.
1: <laughs> and, like, you know, the good one, too. I I was like, wow, I did not know. I mean, the, on time and under. Well, not on time, obviously. It would have been on
0: time, though. Almost
1: on time, but under budget, I'm probably assuming. Probably. Who knows?
0: I mean, hopefully, this movie is not going to do gangbusters weeks. It can still have those legs to really give uh, this movie a really nice send off. Dumbfounded at. Um, but. Again, Ball, I want to see him do so much movie. I think he'd be such a good fit with that, especially maybe that Hobbes-Shaw uh, spin off they've got in the works. Oh, you think low of him like that? No. I think that's what I think. I think he can take oh. that franchise and do something really fun and cool with it because that movie is going to just be crazy action. But he can do a lot of good stuff with that and make it fun. Or Mission Impossible. You know, okay. Mission Impossible 7. uh sure. Which we'll talk about the sixth one in the news section. But – um, I mean, outside of Ball, a lot of this movie is put on the shoulders of Dylan O'Brien, just like the first two movies have, and again, I mean, this this kid is great. This like He is hopefully going to become a really big action star in the next couple of years. I mean, even though I didn't love American Assassin, he was probably the best part of that. He showed that he could do the action himself, but he also has the emotional range that he can really deliver there, and I, this movie especially gave – Uh, his character thomas a lot of emotional moments that he has to confront whether it's stuff from his past or trying to figure out what direction he needs to go in these different situations that i thought he really delivered gotta give shout outs to thomas brody sangster as well yes yes. uh ki Hong lee who plays mino Mm -hmm. as well as the um basically father-daughter relationship of rosa Salazar and giancarlo esposito I thought all of them were, were really really strong um especially Brody Sangster who Nuke gets a really great arc and Sangster really delivers almost where he gets to shine Sold the movie. Yeah. Sold the movie. And uh with the negatives cuz there are some negatives to this movie um unfortunately um which a lot of that comes from Teresa's storyline and the kind of direction kai scott character is given it's she is split off with the team at the end of the second at the end of the second movie and now it's her and wicked trying to find the cure and you're like i never really cared for you that much to begin with in the first two movies because you just kind of brought in and not really given that much to do so i didn't really care for her care for her character coming into the movie and now when they're asking me to invest half of the plot to her character i'm like it just it just doesn't always work for me is
1: she underwritten in the first two i mean is she just sort of the
0: the thomas girlfriend
1: type of character
0: basically but she's also like oh thomas i you know we knew we we knew each other back before this and they have this like pre-established connection we've actually like because when they go in the maze they -hmm. don't remember anything before then it's more like days and you guys are like super close and it's like it just doesn't it doesn't feel nat clarkson's ava page she was like the head of Wicked. I didn't think she was necessarily that strong either. Both of them just kind of like twitted his thumbs and <laughs> like, I'm evil and I'm going to do some evil things. And you're like, yes.
1: Game of Thrones character. I mean, that's all he does for the set, oh, yeah. six, seven seasons. And then here I'm like, First okay. I mean, not spoiler alert,
0: but I haven't seen either of these two films yeah.
1: yet. So that's where I'm coming from. Yes. guys.
0: Um, So I thought. But when, when Gillen got his chance to kind of go toe-to-toe with Thomas or mm-hmm. be more the central focus on the bad side, that worked. Um, the other part of it came from a, the story getting a little bit too complicated with Walton Goggins. Yeah. Uh, he's like this other side villain. You're like, mm-hmm. where did all this come from? Um, didn't really need <laughs> any of this. Yeah. Okay. Um, it didn't work that well. but. Uh, The Death Gear also has a bunch of surprises for fans of the franchise, at least the ones I didn't know that were coming um, because I didn't read the source material. So I don't know if that stayed truthful to that or just stuff that I would have assumed would have come out during, you know, just the press of this movie or from trades and like, oh, okay, this is cool. And it made for some really fun moments in the theater and, I mean, I, I just really enjoyed my time with this. I thought it was a great conclusion to this uh, franchise. If they want to bring it back, you know, in five or ten years, I'd mm-hmm. be all for it. Sure. Um, but as a closing installment to a young adult franchise, I think it got a really great uh, final send-off. I'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five. All right,
1: stellar. Well, okay, I want to say here. Yeah, I have not seen any of these films. Um, so the, be- the ending is my beginning. Yes. And I thought it was a fantastic beginning and ending. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Now, the reason I was nagging you was because I I think Wes Ball should direct Fantastic Four's reboot when it ultimately comes around. Because he he handles this diverse, young cast so, so well. I mean, he's got...
0: Dylan um, O'Brien as Human Torch?
1: I don't know if he's Human Torch, but you know, <laughs> um, uh, he, still
0: Zach Efron in my mind. Well,
1: well, you know, but we'll, he could be. It's it's possible. But like you said, uh, He Kong Lee, amazing. Like I've, I've known him as kind of like a funny character from his Kimmy oh, yeah. Schmidt days, uh, yeah. and <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I know. And then seeing him here, just get, finally getting to be himself, if you if you mm-hmm. will, um, young and fun, and like also like delivering like one of the most brutal beatdowns of the movie. <laughs> he has <laughs> it was a
0: great awesome moment in the second movie too. It's just like, okay, right killer. before he gets captured maybe? Uh it's it's earlier than that. Okay, yeah. okay, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, then you go through
1: there uh Dexter Darden, uh fantastic. He looks like he was fun. So I'm like ex- mm. inter- he's in the first two too?
0: Uh yes. Okay, yeah.
1: So I'm excited to see how he comes out and gets developed. Um yeah, Dylan O'Brien, fantastic. Um Rose Salazar, probably my favorite of the bunch, really Mm -hmm. Uh, awesome. So the Maze Runner franchise is basically, I am legend only younger and over three movies, (laughs) right? Is that what, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I I totally dug it. Um, The cranks are like these zombie, like mutant humans and they just slowly, slowly degrade until uh, who knows.
0: I don't think they don't, never really explain like what happens to them after a certain amount of time. Other than they're just zombies. Yeah. Kinda. All right. Fair
1: enough. Um, the other two movies explain how the disease spreads and things like that, and kind of its origins. Did we ever get to um, that? Um,
0: a little bit, but not. It's never really the main focus. It's more okay. just like, how do we find a cure for this? Yeah,
1: survive and yeah. run and the trials and such. Exactly. But anyway, yeah. It just like a charismatic cast from start to finish. Um, you already talked t- touched on Thomas Brody Sanger. It's Just brought the movie to the forefront of my mind. In in a way that like I didn't think young adult movies would do anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the reason I'm willing to say I think this is a better franchise already just after seeing one film than Hunger Games for dystopian novels is because they, they just let that friendship breathe. Wow. And him and Dylan O'Brien's relationship just over the course of this one film is like that is the best friendship movie I've seen in a, quite a long time. And I was I was just so impressed. And I, it helps that I'm already a huge fan of this kid um, already. But uh, I would just love to see him more. And then the plot. Relatively low stakes. I mean, sure, there's the search for the cure. But, if, you know, really, they're like, we just want to get our friend and yeah. get out of here. <laughs> and I was like, that is awesome. And it's not until, um, what's her name's face? Teresa. Teresa's character is like, hey come help me save the world. He's like, all right, I'll go help you save the world type of video or yeah. help make a cure that, you know, um, and that plot goes where it goes, but action wise, very low to the ground, nothing over the top. Um, things do get out of hand, but that's because there's a huge riot in the streets. And I didn't have a problem with Walter Goggins thing. Cause I thought that was a logical conclusion to a city that's, you know, built on a Hill that's got mm-hmm. walls up. So obviously people are going to want to, you know, bang on the doors and whatnot, yeah. but, Totally down with that The only thing I didn't like though Was Teresa's plot 2 But only mm-hmm. because it was really boilerplate Especially um, Some of the latter parts of the movie where I was like Eh, I thought that she should have Been Written, or written further yeah. How about that, that's a way to say it Without being too weird <laughs> um, so, so yeah, and I was just aghast that this wasn't A $300 million studio mm-hmm. movie it was the the mid budget movie is still around and it's being directed by Wes Ball with these books and um was just impressed from beginning to end and i would love to see him come back with a fantastic four he can do the he can do the you know 200 million dollar movies with Vin Diesel and Jason Statham and the Rock that's fine but he he's clear he's got an eye and a, a know-how for character relationships as well yeah. as he does action and I think I'd be the best place to put it uh, so at the end I'm gonna give it four and a half out of five Whoa. ticket stubs I, I'm gonna go pick up the first two films I've already got the books in my cart and I just the only thing I'm upset about really is that I had didn't that jump you missed on the, out yeah I
0: didn't jump no. on the bandwagon earlier so wow. that is great yeah absolutely. that is great and we'll uh, move into spoilers here so we can talk about uh, the plot and the twists and the turns and everything more freely And the thing that literally shocked me in this movie was when they brought Will Poulter back. (laughs) I was like, no way. Like, I don't want to get too far into it because you haven't seen the first movie and you want to. Yeah. I've gotten a good idea of what's going on. The movie makes it pretty clear that at one point he died basically. (laughs) And, but now he's back. And I was like, how did I not hear about this? How did they not spoil this? Um, but you know when Galley comes back, I was like, "Wow!" Like you can just tell like by Will Poulter's kind of head shape, I'm like, "All right, that mm-hmm. looks like Will Poulter." And then I was like, "If it's not Will Poulter, I'll be a little upset." But I was like, "His first time better just be hey Greenie." And that's what it was. I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted." Uh, from even though I didn't know I wanted this, I yeah. was like once that idea was in my mind, I was like, they have to do it this way, and they did.
1: And I didn't see how he, you know, got, you know, buried, so to speak, the first time around, but I did love how everyone's just aghast that he's there. Right. <laughs> so it's almost sort of like a franchise joke, because um, there a point where, um, Hong Lee's character is just kind of like, didn't I, didn't I just stab you in the, like the chest and like leave you bleeding out? And he's like, Hey, we all, <laughs>
0: like, we all make bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all have bad days or something. Exactly. Like, oh.
1: Um, Kara's character Teresa's just like yeah. What are you still doing here? Yeah. And then like everybody else, well, everybody's just, just
0: like Galley, Galley, <laughs> yeah. Galley. It's like it's so good. And but also not only that they brought him back, but like I loved the way that they used his character, making mm-hmm. him be part of like he like he had a team up with Thomas. He had a team up with Newt, who like before they basically like started a riot against him because he wanted to be like the alpha dog in the Glades, and then they're like no we didn't do this other thing and he's like no 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 and it's like they yeah. they hated each other last time they saw each other and when they when Galley first reveals himself you you can understand why and you get those memories back and clearly thomas does cuz he just takes a swing at him like mm-hmm. no thought about it and i just thought it was just such a fun reveal and then to have a pull her along for the ride he's got involved in that big heist portion of the movie yeah, and all that stuff was just really just nice to see and felt like a a proper way to bring that character back um because i never would have thought that they would have done it to begin with, and then they used him in such a good way that it was like, of course they should have done this the whole time
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I guess I can't say that for <laughs> for the franchise, but so to speak, it worked really well yeah. uh, with the movie. Can I move to a little bit of a kind of like a heartbreaking part for me yeah, all right, so obviously it involves Thomas Brody Sanger. Uh. And he is bitten, he is scratched out of where the virus is
0: transmitted. It, it's basically it can be transmitted a variety of ways. I think it mainly it's from like scratching and clawing. Okay. Um at people. So then when like the um the infected people you know, they scratch you with their their infection just gets in your bloodstream and that's how it goes yeah. down. Well
1: he gets infected and he's either infected at the beginning of this film or midway through during an attack. In a tunnel by the cranks. Yeah, I would...
0: I think it was the tunnel.
1: Yeah. Um, at least but judging by the way Teresa's like, dude, uh, she should have been dead like a long time ago. Um, Salazar's character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Brenda.
1: Brenda. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, obviously fast moving.
0: Yeah. That was... Th- there was a, a little bit unclear of the... How quickly this movie takes place mm-hmm. in um, comparison to the second movie, because... They make it seem like it takes place immediately after, but it also seems like, oh, no, this has been, like, a year after the fact, which isn't that important, but I I would have maybe liked a little clarity there. Yeah. But back to Newt.
1: Back to Newt. He ends up biting the dust after a long battle with the disease, like, struggling through it, and... I was just I was not ready for that because mm-hmm. I immediately from the moment he um his he gives his trailer his trailer abused line so we're gonna go break in he's like well I got shotgun and like you yeah. know from that moment I'm like ah oh, this kid is awesome um from him being like eh nope sorry Dylan or Thomas you're yeah. not going alone I've already got fry pan in the back <laughs> with me here and we're ready to go you know and then they cruise through and then uh, just I don't know he's He's to- he's totally like the optimist, but as well mm-hmm. as sort of logical, um, has some leadership skills. And then by the time we get to the part where he's fighting for control of his mm-hmm. mind against the disease, yeah. and him and Thomas have this very low—not low again, not low stakes, but high emotionally high
0: fight. Yeah, it was a ground. It was it was very grounded, but it had all the stakes
1: right the world's you know going up in smoke around the two thomas is dragging newt trying to get him back to the wicked hq where they think he can get him cured Mm -hmm. uh, or at least get some kind of serum to delay the disease and that whole thing is like no 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 they're gonna get to him they're gonna get to him they're gonna get to him and finally he pulls a knife, and you—I thought he stabbed O'Brien, mm-hmm. and it look, turns out that he'd actually stabbed himself. Yeah. and I was like, oh, I was not ready for that. No, at that, all.
0: That was the moment where I was like, Wow, I care about this franchise a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah,
1: and that's where I realized this. These got me hooked. Yeah,
0: like <laughs> no, I I, I always had liked Newt as a character. I mean. To make it even, like, a better send-off, like, the letter he writes, Thomas, in the yeah. movie. I was like, oh, yeah, like that, that was, that that was that crushing. Hurt, that hurt the worst. And
1: that was also the moment where I was like, Wes, the writers of these, uh, Derns Dur- is the writer of the book. So I don't know if that was originally in there or not. But whatever know. the case is, the movie decided they were going to end the film with that.
0: Yeah, And I was like, that's where I knew this was great. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, his line, like, in that note is like, right when I saw you, I'd know I'd follow you anywhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, man, like, yeah. Like you mentioned like their friendship is one of the best, like fr- like pure friendships you've seen in a long time. And I mean, I think this movie really sells it on that point. It just like these characters work so well together. And if you follow the movies, even if you don't think they're great, like I don't, I think this is the best installment of the franchise without a doubt. Um, Like the first one is still really solid. The second one is still fun, even though it 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 has that struggle of we got to franchise it, so we got to go bigger Mm -hmm. and we got to introduce you know seven other main characters. And that's another thing I liked about this movie was that you know we had you know characters that we met in the second movie that they're not really in this movie at all. And it was like except for Rosa Salazar and Giancarlo Esposito. They're like the only ones that besides the wicked people that have a role to play in this story that weren't from the very first movie. And I was like, I think a lot of franchises you get caught up with that. Okay, we have this huge cast. We have to use all of them. And they're yeah. like, uh, again, I don't know if this is in the books this way, but it's just like they took the opportunity and they they knew that the best way to end this would be to focus on Thomas and Newt, bring back Gally and have Teresa and... Brenda and like just have like six or seven main people instead of fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was such such a good way. I mean, yeah, Newt's death. I mean, it yeah crushed. I mean, so so well executed. O'Brien absolutely delivered in that moment. Yeah, and reading the note both times, like um, so good. And then even like Rosa Salazar, she's like the first one there to see Newt's death, and like then right. she breaks down, and then. Yeah. Everybody else just like, oh man.
1: Yeah, it, it and actually. Gets and speaking of Zalazar, it really brought it up really brought up my interest in Alita. Yeah, uh, a, a ton. I mean, I know it's not her acting, you know.
0: Yeah, there's you know, a lot of CG in and, that. Yeah,
1: right, well, right, yeah. There's not a unfiltered. Mm-hmm. It's not her unfiltered skill. Yeah, but still, it's like I, I I'm definitely into that film. Yeah.
0: Um, but there was another big death in this movie. Yeah, and this that. Is, Didn't have the same emotional resonance as Newt's did. It was when Teresa died. It was like, you know, they, Thomas, after Newt dies, is like, all right, like, you're telling me I have this special blood that can cure everybody. Mm -hmm. You're telling me I could have cured my best friend who I just saw die in my arms. Yeah. Okay, what do I have to do? And. Then him and Teresa have to break out and, like, they're on top of the building and it's just on fire to, like, all right, I know both of these people are making it off. <laughs> and I know you're not going to kill Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's going to go. And, yeah. like, I was not – I don't want to say I'm, I was happy to see her go, but I was just, like, it didn't do anything for me where I was, like, it's better for her to – I think it was better for the story for her to die there than to be, like – all right, she made it off, and now she's like again back on the good side.
1: Yeah, and see that I, mean, I I disagree. I thought her death was totally dumb. Like I I felt like that at least she'd earned the right to be back on that lifeboat. Okay. After everything that she had done,
0: um, betraying them and.
1: But, but I mean, working for working and finding and discovering the cure that yeah. to potentially save humanity. Um, and especially like keeping O'Brien alive while he was wounded Mm -hmm. in that final scene, again, with, uh, with Gillen, with Gillen. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's just kind of like, you know, it felt like she was just kind of uses like a, all right, we'll let him carve her name on the the stone at the end. And that'll be his, you know, momentum to the story. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was just like, okay, that's, that is what it is. Um, I would have appreciated her getting off newt being the only one lost because hers was just kind of like newt dies big emotional scene and then oh Teresa dies too yeah and it doesn't really it doesn't seem like it has that big of an effect on him on he,
0: thomas? thomas yeah I think, I think i think it has it is a, a much bigger effect on thomas than i think it does as an audience member which again like it's i don't think it's necessarily the way this movie uses her and the way mm-hmm. she's written here i think it's just how she's been used as the whole. I think even if you'd watched the first two movies Is you there, wouldn't be like rooting for like, yeah, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Like Are you skeptical
1: she, of her the entire time?
0: Um, not the entire time. But the first movie she's like and she's halfway through, and then the second movie she betrays the entire the whole other uh she sells she sells them out to Wicked. In the end or so in that, the beginning? At the end. So okay. that's how Mino's captured. That's and it's like right. And so now at that point I'm like, okay, I don't care. I don't, so, I don't really like you. So sort of like
1: a, like, you know, like a Judas where it's like, you never yeah. really hear about them at all. But then all of a sudden, like they just betray Jesus and you're like, what yeah yeah <laughs> Exactly.
0: Exactly like that. And so it's just Not like, saying that the two are equal, right. but just the type, yes. of, the type yeah, it's, of deal it's the same, Yeah. Same thing. And so this is like, you know, I didn't, I was never rooting for Teresa to you know, yeah. turn back and like, she never really did. She kind of played both sides whatever helped her. She was like, "All right, I'll act like I'm going to help Thomas, but then I'm going to turn against him at this moment so I can try to get the cure cuz that's the better, yeah, wider, you know, purpose of this." And you know, I th- I thought it definitely wasn't executed the best cause, but I also don't think personally with the way that character developed that there would be a way to center off in an emotionally fulfilling way, especially when there's the competing storyline of, "All right, well, does Thomas love Thomas loves Teresa. But then you got Brenda in the background being like, right. Thomas, I'm here for you. And Mm -hmm. it's like that, that, that's pretty rushed in this movie too. But it's like, I would have rather seen him choose Brenda than Teresa. You know, that's never really a decision he has to come to make. Exactly. It's just like, yeah. I, I prefer this character over this character.
1: And yeah, but by the end of the film, I'm kind of like, he's writing her name up there almost as like a forgiveness mm-hmm. tome more than like a, I loved you type of a deal. Yeah. So I just like, it would have been, I don't know, I just felt like it would have been better though for her to make it out. And then leave that in imbi- leave that in, Im- leave some ambiguity mm-hmm. about how he feels about her and her them moving forward because that feels like an action. You can't really forgive, right? You know, in short term versus long term, but. Um, I feel like that's a minor complaint compared mm-hmm. to just how much I really like this. Movie. Yeah,
0: same. Uh, do you have any other spoiler thoughts you want to touch on here before any we other move on?
1: Spoiler thoughts?
0: No, I've okay. got everything out. All right. So that is our review of Majorana: The Death Cure. Um, again, you can read the, my written review on the website Friends and Film Blogs. Uh, WordPress. WordPress. I did the same thing. I a looked weeks up the Blogspot,
1: and it is also a film review site for obscure is it, Ukrainian films. Is I it active? Say. I don't know if it's active, but huh. it's there and there's content.
0: Okay, so it is. So don't visit Blogspot. Visit FriendsOfFilm.WordPress.com friendsandfilm. to see uh, this review as well as the others. Uh, that's all we have for this review. We both obviously highly recommend it. Whether you're a fan of the franchise or a newcomer like josh i think it's equally enjoyable for Mm -hmm. all go check it out we'll be right back in a bit with the news And as always, we're going to start with our new segment, Ticket or Skip It? We have our second trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising. Josh, is this a ticket or skip it? It's a ticket because it's got John Boyega, it's got robots,
1: it's got kaiju, but it also has teased us Jaeger on Jaeger battle, yeah, which is new. It's intriguing. And... I guess sets up the third one once they deal with this kaiju. So we have like an all-out robot battle set up sometime maybe. I don't know, but it just the the franchise is done being self-serious. It's here to have fun and I'm here for it. So, yeah, absolutely ticket
0: Yeah, I will say Ticket as well. I thought this was a better trailer than the first one we got a couple of months ago. Definitely. Um, This one gave us a little bit more of Boyega's character. But Mm -hmm. again, more most intriguing part was when there's that Jaeger on Jaeger fight. And I'm like, wait, Scott Deezza says, that's not one of ours. And I'm like, so there's another Jaeger faction? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Like, that's more interesting to me than like, uh, hey, there's another Kaiju that can... There's multiple kaiju that can make one giant kaiju. Yes. It's like, oh, there's another <laughs> there <can> company tr- <laughs> making fighting robots. Like, right. okay, what does that mean? Does that mean that, like, these two companies are, like, going to fight the kaiju differently? Or are they going to team up to fight the kaiju at the end? Um, I, think, I think it raises more interesting questions just being like, all right, you guys like the first one, I guess? Here's another movie with robots fighting monsters. Mm-hmm. Have at it. And (laughs) this one has John Boyega. Okay. Like, I think it's a good pitch, but uh, yeah, I think I thought this was a good trailer. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it in a couple of weeks here, but uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like a lot of people are tracking or projections came out this week, and it's only projected $20 million opening. Is that domestic? Yeah. Wow. Which is. They are really betting on the worldwide market. Which is half. I mean, the first one opened to 37, so. If this one gets John Boyega opens to half, yeah, I think those plans of all right, we're gonna start a bigger universe. We want to go fight Godzilla and King Kong for sure. Mm, that's not happening. Okay, <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can you can toss those plans out the window and wait for the reboot.
1: Just watch though, man. I'm telling you what, I, I really th- what it does in China will end up being instrumental. And it, it, Star Wars cratered. So mm. if this movie just goes up and just lights it up there, I mean, we're gonna be seeing. You know, at least oh, yeah.
0: more. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the first one did a hundred million dollars domestically, and then three hundred million dollars overseas. A lot of that came from China, so it could be another thing, another uh, instance just like that for Pacific and Uprising. We'll have to wait and see. It comes out uh, near the end of March, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll review it when it does hit theaters. A movie we may review if it ever gets made is uh, this Duke Nukem movie. THR revealed this week that John Cena is in talks to play the lead role of Duke Nukem in a movie being developed by Paramount and Michael Bay's production company, Platinum Dunes. There's currently no director or writer aboard the project, however, so they're just being like, hey, John, (laughs) we like you. You want to be a movie star? Come play Duke Nukem. Is that a good idea, Josh?
1: It's not the worst idea in the world. But it definitely doesn't need to be directed by Michael Bay's company. Or, or Michael Bay doesn't need his fingers anywhere near this type of a movie. It seems
0: like a perfect fit, though.
1: Yeah, but see, then what you'll get out of it is a somewhat self-serious film where Duke Nukem is this underdog character, but also incredibly rude, crude, and explosive. I, mean, I don't know. It, it work. It, it needs a different touch mm-hmm. than Michael Bay.
0: Okay. Um, what about west ball
1: <laughs> no not west paul it needs a you know i can't even say it needs a tim miller approach it really does something like deadpool okay uh, because duke the duke Nukem games have always been sort of uh fourth wally wink wink mm-hmm. we're in on the joke of how sexist and just you know totally over the top yeah. this like franchise and video game is and i think john cena uh is a perfect fit for the character he's blowing up right now box office wise uh the wig that they will put on him for this movie will be hilarious mm-hmm. uh you know um and i just think that his earnest nature will translate really well into you know just an ego driven uh gun toting zombie mutant killer or whatever the franchise is whatever you shoot in the franchise is it I, aliens? I don't
0: I, I think it's aliens yes okay i think so too yeah that's but, what i read i've never i don't if I've played a Duke Nukem game, I don't remember it. Maybe an arcade version or an old one on the sixty four or something. I think the PS
1: Playstation, the original PlayStation came with like a demo version. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So I don't really care about Duke Nukem, but I like I like John Cena. Mm-hmm. I think he is a he has the potential to be not the next rock because there's never gonna be another rock. It's there's the rock and then there's nobody else. Just like like there's Tom Cruise, there's no other Tom Cruise, okay? Right. You can only have one. John Cena, though, I think could be a decent, like, mid-level action star that can do something like this, take a video game adaptation, try to turn it around, um, but without a director or writer, it's more like, do you want to see John Cena's Duke Nukem? And it's like... I. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so I th- this movie, since they don't even have any of that stuff attached, who knows when this movie would even get made. And, you know, if it is a Mi- Michael Bay, you know, since he's done doing Transformers, he's going to go do mm-hmm. Duke Nukem. Okay. I know what I'm getting. But if they do something else, like, then we'll see. But this is definitely like a story that I'm waiting to find out a lot more before I get – Interested in this yeah. project. So okay, fair
1: enough. I'm it's very hesitant. D- definitely a very serious trial
0: balloon. Yes. Um, and we also learned this week from Tracking Board uh, that Netflix is apparently in talks yeah. to acquire the rights to Cloverfield 3, potentially titled Cloverfield Station. That's the rumor out there. Uh, there are also rumors that the trailer will drop next Sunday during the Super Bowl. As well as an announcement coming from Netflix that they will debut it on their streaming service much earlier than its current April 20th release date. Would this be a good acquisition? It's the best acquisition. It's Cloverfield is on
1: Netflix is where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, an anthology film series, and there's no there's if you're Netflix, there's no better partnership for you and your three billion dollars of content Mm -hmm. than bad robot jj abrams and his entire creative team yeah because they have ideas out the wazoo they're films that appeal to a wide ranging of demographics and you know you're gonna get well-produced films. And I've done, I've seen two films that Netflix has put out this year so far, and both of them are just extremely forgettable in the middle of the (laughs) road Okay. And, and, what you know what Cloverfield movies are not, not forgettable. They're, they're not forgettable and they're usually well acted and cause conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want, especially if it's in the stranger things vibe too. And I think that's what they should go for. Um, Cloverfield 3 you are a you wasn't on your most anticipated at all was it
0: uh maybe a, maybe a, I thought it was honorable mention yeah that's what to said but I am very excited for Cloverfield 3 okay it's I think my hesitancy was just more of like is this movie still happening mm-hmm. it's gotten delayed a bunch of times um but I think the prospect of Netflix getting it doing that surprise trailer in Super Bowl and maybe like a surprise release just be like hey it's out now. Go watch it. Be like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I know what I'd be doing right after Super Bowl ended. Well, actually, probably not. Cause Super Bowl is going to end at like midnight. And well,
1: after the two
0: overtime, the, the, the day after, and, yeah. Like, I would, I would, I would, I guarantee I'll watch Glorfield three within the first twenty four hours of it being on Netflix. Just because, like, why wouldn't I? It's such a, it's a franchise that turned out has turned out some really quality content from really quality filmmakers. I want to see what Julius Owen is going to do with this. I want to see this space take they're going to do on it and see how, like, teases or connects to the other movies. And I love the idea of Netflix getting involved with Cloverfield because does that mean they would do, like, Cloverfield 4? I th- I think they, as a and their distribution model of just being like, sometimes they'll hype up a project a lot. Other times there's, like, no marketing. Yeah. And it's just one day you open up Netflix and it's there that idea with a cloverfield movie it's been like one day randomly on twitter you're just like oh what what's this netflix Mm -hmm. oh trailer for cloverfield 4 what ends ends out now what (laughs) oh oh, okay (laughs) i know what i'm doing like i think that's so exciting for them potentially doing they may not be doing this but even the idea of netflix being involved with them i think is really smart it would fit I think it would help Netflix find a genre to corner mm-hmm. doing that sci fi um, sort of stuff instead of just doing all things. Yeah. Like if they can pick a couple of key genres and be like, all right, we're going to own the small to mid level sci fi, mm-hmm. small to mid level horror. Um, horror. Yep. Those are ours. Hulu, Disney you can go fight over whatever else is left yeah. but this is what we're going to corner the market on and Cloverfield would be a really great start to that.
1: And what do people love more than anything? I mean not more than anything but what do people love the most of? Pulpy movies. Mm-hmm. And Cloverfield is nothing is the very definition of that. And uh yeah I I think it's I think it's the best move mainly because you know the partnership would exist, and then J.J. Abrams' ideas can literally go from just spoken to Netflix film. <laughs> right.
0: And Netflix is going <laughs> to turn down J.J. J. Abrams' wild ideas for right. more Cloverfield movies. Exactly. And
1: his whole creative team at Bad Robot. So, yeah. and, you know, maybe Dan-, Dan Trachenberg is like, I can come do some movies for you guys now.
0: And I'll come do a series, Cloverfield series. Oh, man. I don't know how that would work. What would it be about? but
1: uh, The fight it would star uh, Mary. Elizabeth Winstead Okay And she would be In New Orleans Fighting the aliens And that would be Dan Trachenberg's Netflix series I'm all for it But he only He only directs The first and last episode And then moves on to do the Obi Wan spin off Lucasfilm movie.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, all I know is now my two, like, who do you want to direct this? It's going to be Dan Trachtenberg or Wes Paul. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's one of those two. There are uh, no other I options. Can't agree more. Um, so, moving on to a super related topic, uh, it appears, according to Revenge of the Fans, that Henry Cavill will appear in Super, not in Superman, as Superman in Shazam. Uh there's Ooh. no word on the size of his role, but it does uh seem like a decent fit. They based on, you know, the character being rebooted basically with Justice League. He has more of a lighter tone, it looks like, and he is Superman, so if Billy Batson's looking to become a superhero, I mean he's probably looking up two men already. It's so not he can get to meet his mentor. Do yeah. you think this is a good idea?
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I don't know if there'll be like a I'm Superman, I'm Shazam, type of a deal, mm-hmm. but it would be like a I'm Billy Batson, look at the TV, there's Superman doing Superman stuff. I think they would I think they'd meet. Maybe like in a cameo near the end possibly, Probably. but he I do being were, like, "Hey. Nice job over there." Yeah, exactly. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then you you see Zach. Uh, Zack Snyder, not Snyder, <laughs> Levy, Levy, Zachary Levy, Leah Levy. Be like, you know, just act all like, you know, starstruck when yeah. Superman just flows up and like fist bumps him and mm-hmm. you know bolts away, type of a deal. But yeah, just like the idea of him being like, I want to be like Superman, um, will be an incredible thing for asher angel angel asher asher angel yeah, asher angel to be like ah oh, that's that's my role model oh mm-hmm. man omg type of a deal so yeah there's
0: already fan theories of like ooh, what if billy batson was one of the kids who videotaped that opening to justice league ooh. it's like i mean I'd, I'd be okay with that that would be really plus I, they could reshoot it with no mustache mm-hmm. then do an edited cut of justice league correct the mustache yes there we go we got one last scene with the uh, with the weird with the weird lip oh that would be really cool yeah so i'm i'm all for it um you know i'm so i'm surprised that if they're gonna do a here we need another dc hero in shazam to sell it that they would choose superman over wonder woman but uh it's probably just because gal's probably a little bit busier than henry cavill at this Mm -hmm. particular moment in their careers um and Since his sequel looks like it's probably going to be a couple years away, there's no really other word on where else he's going to appear, you want to keep Superman and this new light version of him in the public conscious still, so why not put him in Shazam and be like, hey, you're kind of like Superman. I am Superman. Let's be buddies, and I'll mentor you. Right. So I think think it makes a lot of sense. And speaking of another superhero, or really just another Henry Calvin movie, Mission Impossible 6. (laughs) tom cruise revealed the first official photos for the movie this week as well as the title that being mission impossible fallout uh director chris McQuarrie went on to tell empire that the movie has a nuclear threat at the center as well as ethan hunt's past choices coming back to haunt him with a trailer on the horizon with super bowl sunday looking at the uh, expected release is all these details enough to get you excited for this and this franchise no. No? <laughs> I just, like, hasn't he faced a nuclear threat before? Um, Isn't every threat a nuclear threat? I mean, kind of, but like, you know. Varying levels. <laughs> did the last two major Runner movies, did they run out of mazes? Yeah. <laughs> what they fair, do? <laughs> fair enough.
1: I just, um, I'm not invested at all. There's five films I have not does seen. It make,
0: does, do these details make you interested in checking those out at all? Or are, are your interest n- levels still the same?
1: Still the same, and it won't be until we this movie, until we review this movie, that you're not going to see the first five before. I'm going to have to probably, probably. But like we haven't put this on our calendar just yet. I but mean, it's coming. Are we putting it on there?
0: That, metaphorically? that we're, we're going to review it? Oh, yes. absolutely. Okay,
1: so I guess that means I'll start, but um, I'm not going into it, you know, enthusiastically. Come on. All right, but you get get hyped. I will say this. The helicopter, you know, doing like basically a straight vertical in the air, and then the scene of him jumping across the buildings, mm-hmm. those do look very cool.
0: Yeah. So hype me for this here. Hype you for Mission Impossible 6. Or Why
1: why why, why do these get you hyped? Start there maybe.
0: This movie was number six on my most anticipated of the year yep. list, and at the time I was probably like, you know, this is a little high probably. Mm-hmm. But it feels right, okay. And you know the details, the images. Uh, it reminds me why, just because these are this is a fun franchise. Tom Cruise is a great action star, and you know somebody who's followed this. You see, like okay, what else? What ridiculous thing is Tom Cruise going to do next? Is Ethan Hunt? He's going to hang off the side of a helicopter because he can. Great. He's going to leap across an entire gap of a building because he can. He's going to break his foot in the process finish the shot so it's in the movie because he's Tom Cruise Have they
1: confirmed that they did that one that's going to yeah, make the cut cruise oh, confirmed that's, it that's awesome. so it's like
0: that's, that's cool. pretty that's cool. insane like Tom Cruise is the man's man and uh, i mean yeah i think the nuclear threat it's like i think it'll probably be a little more complicated or sophisticated okay. than just being like some evil guy has nuclear codes <laughs> right oh no <laughs> yeah it'll probably be a little bit more interesting than that especially with macquarie basically teasing that a, a lot of different choices that ethan has made in his life will come back to haunt him at some point in this movie i think that's interesting especially with michelle monaghan being featured in this movie and we haven't seen her since the third mm-hmm. one um yeah, i think it just has a lot of Hopefully, interesting possibilities, and it's got a great cast, and I can't wait to see the trailer next week because we'll definitely get to see more of that helicopter action, I'm sure, Um, but I also want to see more of Rebecca Ferguson. I want to see more of Simon Pegg, Ving Rain, Michelle Monaghan, Angela Bassett, Henry Cavill. I mean, it's got a really, really great cast, and uh, this franchise is one I've enjoyed for a very long time, so of course – and, like, yeah, you know, these images the cool. Title, Fallout, sure, why not?
1: Yeah. And it's the sixth thumb, correct? Yes. So that, that's like, it's like saga. That's the, that's the threshold for saga, I think. Yeah. Right? And I do like the idea of, like, if, if this is the last one. Which it won't which be. Which it won't be. But I do like the titling of it where it's like, Now he has to deal with everything that he'd ever done wrong in Mm. this film. And it's got your uh, boy, Baldwin, so. I I do love Alec Baldwin. He's in, um. He's only in the fifth one. Ghost. Ghost Protocol. Yeah. He's like, you gotta get out of here. Wait. Is is he in Ghost Protocol? He's in Ghost Protocol. He he tells him in the trailer for the film, he's like in the limo with Ethan Hunt. and He's like, you are under attack. Get out of here. He didn't speak with a
0: southern accent. I, don't know, I did that, <laughs> He definitely does not. I, thought, I, I a... thought he was just in Rogue Nation. But it means he's in the last two then. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched the fourth one, but we'll we'll find out. You'll find out when you I, watch I'm them. Guarantee when you watch them. For he's the first in Ghost time. Protocol. Okay. I mean, I believe you're the big Baldwin boy. So love Alec.
1: He's <laughs> my favorite.
0: Um, and speaking of big action stars, The Rock. Had one of the biggest hits of 2017, believe it or not, with Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And speaking to the Wall Street Journal, Sony chief Tom Rothman uh, pretty much confirmed that they're going to do a third movie, a third Jumanji movie, which isn't really a surprise. Uh, But he did say that they are hoping to have it release next Christmas, meaning it will go toe-to-toe, potentially, either the same week, week before, a couple days after, with Star Wars 9. does jumanji stand a chance
1: yeah it does stand a chance because it is ridiculous the love that jumanji has gotten like it's great i haven't seen it yet but my timeline no matter what week it has been since christmas has just been saw jumanji wow a blast 50-year-old men that I work with <laughs> at a car dealership um, are like, Jumanji was that great. Jack Black was phenomenal, yeah. you know? And uh, so there, there's, it literally hit the golden spot of um, appealing to all these fan bases. Somebody said, Indiana Jones on steroids.
0: It's like Indiana Jones was a video game. Okay. Like, yeah. Dumanji Two is pretty great. Like, I'm not saying it's gonna be in my top ten favorite movies of the year, but I think there could be an argument to be made. It's not going to be. I'll spoil mm-hmm. it now. But okay. in terms of movies, like I like, I enjoyed so much. Like, yeah, it's such a fun time. Yeah, the villain's not good. Who cares? You're there to see the Rock. You're there yeah. to see Jack Black. You're there to see Kevin Hart. You're there to see Karen Gillan. And I hope. All of them come back because they could, depending on if they. I'm since they Sony definitely would want to do this quick because why wouldn't they? The Rock's got a crazy busy schedule. Who knows if he could fit in Jumanji three at this point, and he's who knows if he's contractually obligated to. But since it's a video game, and Jumanji like evolved basically into video game, it could always evolve into something else in the third movie feature brand new characters and that Ooh. way you could do totally recast. Yeah. But I I thought this cast was so good. I think it's what helps make Jumaji 2 so special that I want to see them back with like an additional two random characters. Oh here, you beat the game, here's a couple extra playable characters. Yeah. We get six main characters this next movie and it would be a blast. And I think I'm not saying it's gonna like, you know if it opens December twentieth, right up against Star Wars nine that it's gonna, you know, beat an opening weekend, but if it opens the week after, just like mm-hmm. it did this this year, I think it's got a shot where you know those couple weeks after, where it's still it's going toe to toe with with Star Wars for three four weeks out,
1: it'll be it'll be the matchup of the century, especially when we get final numbers on Jumanji and Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. So I I mean, I don't Jumanji approaching a billion
0: um i know it's over i know it's over 700 yeah i knew that i can't remember if it's over eight it is i don't i don't uh, think i don't think it's gonna hit a billion but it it is doing crazy numbers domestically Mm -hmm. um it's doing pretty well overseas and i again i don't see why sony if sony didn't do a third one or if they don't do a third one with this cast I'll just throw my hands. up and be like, "What are you yeah. thinking?" Like, even if you have to push an extra year, I think you got to keep this cast assembled because totally they're they're what make this thing so special, in my opinion.
1: Every 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 one of them is excellent.
0: Yes, and something that hopefully will be excellent. Thought we we're going to get this year was New Mutants. Yes, not getting until next year. Nope. Who knows? And according to Josh Boone, the director, who's I'll, I'll, I'll trust him. I'd, I'd say he's pretty reliable when it comes to this information. Yeah, it doesn't um, sound like a... He told Empire this week that it's targeting a PG-13 rating and not an R rating as many assumed before. Does this point to them, those those reshoots that they're going to be doing, actually being, hey, let's make this a lot lighter instead of, hey, let's make it a lot darker? I, I,
1: I don't know. Do because you, is it- his comments were kind of like, They're vague, but he was almost sort of confident. I mean, his phrasing is confident. He said, this is probably the hardest PG-13 made. I mean, we've pushed it. The horror is pretty dark, and there's also an emotional core, too. If it can scare you and make you cry, that's the goal. But then why
0: not just go R? Exactly. So I don't know if you... Because if it's already the scariest PG-13 possible, they're going to reshoot to make it even scarier. Yeah that would, I believe, push it to R and it's not like Fox hasn't had a crazy amount of success with R-rated superhero movies.
1: Right, and that's what I can't figure out because most kid center, I mean most you know, teen, 16, 17, 18 year old horror films that are marketed or most horror films are marketed to that 16, 17, 18 demographic and they're hard R all the way through. Look at it. Yeah, ex- exactly. So even though that does have a more adult... It's more an adult audience. Yes. But it does pander. It does play. It just plays... It plays well on, like, a wide spectrum. Yeah. Superhero... This specific superhero movie with a... Josh Boone, I think, kind of plays, skews more towards younger. Mm hmm So, if anything, I mean, maybe they got scared of how... I I, I don't know. Because I can see it going both ways. One, if your film is PG-13 and you say it's superhero, parents will be... Okay, it's fine, go see the superhero movie. That's PG thirteen. That's run of the mill. Right. So maybe they the reshoots are getting some of the rating hard R stuff down, sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, maybe swearing and things like that where it would definitely put you over the top. Right. But whereas if you're dealing with like jigsaw level horror and you know, creepy stuff like that, you're maybe pushing the envelope and being okay
0: perhaps maybe uh yeah i don't know I, I i think this news with the delay just doesn't it doesn't bode well i don't think of this movie because i think a lot of people thought ooh, we're gonna get a a new mutants movie that's hard r it's gonna be scary it's probably gonna be a little violent mm-hmm. but it's gonna be a really good time because it's gonna work really well yeah and now it's like all right now we're gonna delay it a year because we don't want to cross promote overseas baloney don't buy it for a second. And now it's like, oh, by the way, this is a PG-13 movie, but it's pushing the boundaries. If, uh, why does it have to be PG-13? So you think he's BSing a little? I, I don't think he's BSing. I think he's probably being like, yeah, yeah, we're pushing the boundaries, but it's like I just don't get why. They're pushing would... the boundaries because they took away my R rating. Right, like why would he need to unless – and there's there's speculation about this, but I don't think – it could even be true at this point that this is a Disney mandate that they're like, "Hey, we're gonna own you guys, but in the year we're not gonna release an R-rated New Mutants movie, get it to PG-13." But I Disney can't have those talks yet because they technically don't own them, so right. they have no control at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that can actually work unless they're just being like super, like, "Hey, we we know this deal's going through. You guys know this deal's going through." Yeah. So we're gonna already start making changes, but uh, it mean, just doesn't seem to work.
1: SEC hasn't even given the okay yet. So yeah. I mean that. Yeah, like you said, that's it's way too, way too early for. I mean, but it's possible, though, of course, um, especially if you're a studio head who wants to keep your job mm-hmm. and you're chickening out because right. you're like oh, I gotta make sure this is has the widest audience possible.
0: Yeah, which is definitely possible. And I,
1: but I think it's the wrong calc if that is the case. I think it's the wrong calculation. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe it was PG thirteen from the beginning and we just sort of lied ourselves into thinking Oh, right. it's horror oh, and every horror movie is R. They so. just they just
0: made over eight hundred million dollars on Deadpool and Logan, two art movies. Of course New yeah. Munits is gonna be R. Yeah. Of course I mean Deadpool two, next one up. So of course, that one's gonna be R, so why wouldn't it this it, next one? It
1: was certainly Greenlit in that line of thinking. Yeah. But
0: We'll see. Uh moving on to some actual Disney owned superhero Marvel content. Yes. Captain Marvel. Bree Larson hit the streets this week and page six debuted the first set photos from her solo movie where she is wearing a superhero costume, but it had a very different look than many people expected. She's not wearing the red, blue, and yellow traditional Captain Marvel suit. No. This one's green, little silver, and mm-hmm. blue. What do you think?
1: Tack on a purple cape, and she's basically Martian Manhunter. I mean, really. <laughs> but uh, it, it looks alien, though. I guess that's the kind of sentiment I'm going uh-huh. for here. And like it looks like an alien flight suit. So and Captain Marvel is an Air Force pilot? So yes. I'll, I'll just put those two things together and call it that. Uh, but it looks super cool. Put it underneath the camera where they you know, add some little digital like, you know, gloss on yeah, over yeah. it and things like that. So, like, you know, pr- press out the edges, if you will. And I think it'll look super, super sweet behind the camera. Color graded and all sorts of things. Um, but, but what do you think? Are you hating the color scheme? Love No, the color I, scheme? I love it. All I right.
0: mean, yeah, like we know we're going to get the traditional costume. It was in the uh, concept art for the movie. Marvel Studios is not dumb they're not gonna rob her of her you know iconic costume no they're mm-hmm. gonna get there but I think this green suit provides some interesting uh, potential details for the movie um, whether it's you want to believe that this is her using the original captain Marvel Marvel uh, using his suit played which who's going to be played by ju law which probably doesn't work because they're Jude Law and Brie Larson don't look the same. They don't have the same body types. They're not the same gender. So, like, why would their suit, unless <laughs> it's just a unisex, like, suit? Yeah. Probably wouldn't work and probably wouldn't fit, probably wouldn't work the right way. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it just. The logic's away. The, logics the of logic it. isn't there. Yeah. Right, I hear you. Instead, I think that this is an indication of well, what wouldn't surprise me is if this is potentially her coming back like coming back coming back from the war because we know the movie is going to revolve around the kree-skull war and if she is fighting in that war what suit is better to fight in space a one that's super visible yeah. That's red, blue, and yellow. Right. Or one that's more camouflaged. That is, looks like it would be part of the Kree army, mm-hmm. which I would, I would assume she's going to fight for that side. Um, why would not why would she not suit up in their colors or at least some color that makes it easier for her to hide or be camouflaged? I think it's more just a tactical like space uh, war suit. Not like this is my regular costume. It's the same design, yeah. but it's, we've changed the colors so i can be a better you know fighter (laughs) okay i hear you yeah so you think we're gonna get two designs yeah sweet and so it's made me wonder if okay well is this her coming it's like i don't know she's she's holding i i thought it was a newspaper other people say it's a map yeah it looks like a map um so it's like and she's been gone for a while right it's like it's like okay well people say well like you know it's like who uses maps in 2019 when this movie is going to hit theaters or 2020? Whatever the timeline is going to be. Yeah. Like, Not many people. So why would she just randomly have or find a map right. <laughs> to wherever she is on the planet? It's probably not likely, but maybe it's her coming back to Earth in the in the 90s. Um, a lot of people have mentioned that she has the Rachel yeah. <laughs> 90s cut, which I think <laughs> I is love a, a great was. touch. Um, but really it just makes me excited because it means – we're almost there for Captain Marvel, even though we still we're still a year away. But it's like this movie's gearing up. Uh, it's gonna start. Sh- I mean, it has started it shooting, but it's like they're only they're doing it a special week so they can get tax breaks in California, and then full production kicks in in March. We'll get a trailer by the year, obviously, and uh, I'm I'm super excited to see Brie Larson in this. So seeing her in the suit, they're just like yeah, I'm I'm all there for it, and. <laughs> The other Marvel story we got this week is related to Avengers 4. We got some potential plot uh, teased here from directors Joe and Anthony Russo, where they told the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast um, that the technology known as BARF as well it stands for the binary augmented retroframing mm-hmm. uh tech that was introduced in Captain America Civil War that Tony used to basically have that conversation with his parents or reenact that memory. Yeah, a cathartic experience. Right. That that technology is going to be a big part of Avengers 4, which I think is super interesting. It it's I does it mean that like
1: he's gonna spend Avengers four like on a therapy couch and like where did yeah. I all go
0: wrong or no uh, probably not oh I think it probably means like oh kind of like that hey though. we screwed up or we weren't prepared we need to look back at all these different events to see what we could have done differently or see different uh, teases of what was actually gonna come so we could figure out how to be better prepared in the present day we can learn from mistakes yeah. literally by going back and revisiting them but it also it's just a i think it's a really clever way for marvel studios to be like hey yeah in our a clip tw- in our 22nd movie mm-hmm. that's like the big we've been building to this since avengers in 2012 really in 20 in 2008 with iron man right we've been building to this forever they've said it's the culmination of the mc to this point to be like, hey, here are so many different highlights yeah, yeah. from all the past <laughs> movies. Because we can be like, hey, remember Avengers? Let's go do a, let's go to the Battle of New York mm-hmm. and see a different scene that we didn't see before. Let's yeah. go to this and see another different thing we never see before. It's like, wow, here's like a highlight bonus reel <laughs> of the MCU to this point that will play into the plot in some way. It'll it it explains all of those set photos, like, why does Cap have his Avengers suit on, but Iron Man's clearly not in his Avengers costume? And Ant Man is there. He wasn't there. Right. How does all this stuff add up? Because they're looking at it through the barf technology, so they can, like, a couple <laughs> of them can be there, actually. Other of them can, like, they'll just be playing, like, the memories of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that can be really cool and. I have all the faith in the world in the Brusos to whatever they are gonna use the barf technology for to finish up this movie, uh I think it's gonna be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I, I have I I can only guess, but um it definitely opens up some great avenues for a lot of great gags, especially too um if they can interact inside of the framed sequences mm-hmm. as well. Because we saw Tony kind of like appear into the you know, the simulation right during that presentation in, in civil war. So I think that'll also, you know, if Paul Rudd's like they're watching it all go down, that would be great. Um, especially cause he's the best comedian on that. But anyway, yeah, I don't it know. Is. It opens up a lot. Like, and like, uh, I mean, like, you know, you, you already kind of said it before, but it gives them a chance to do like a clip show where like the best of highlights of everything we've done so far, Right here it all is. Bam, 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 bam. So, um, yeah, I, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities too, even not for pl- actual plot driving, but just for you know nostalgia, and yeah, things like that. Because it, like you said, is the culmination of this two-part film.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're not we're not going to figure out a lot from this, but I think it's a nice um, bone for them to throw fans. Be like, all right, right, to go ahead and just say it, and, and even if there is still a bunch of time travel in this movie. By saying this, like in, I believe them and like, there's other evidence to support it, but like them saying, Oh no, this is all just barf technology stuff. We could still smoke mo- screen. We could still see the movie back. Like, it was all barf technology, but there's still a bunch of time travel as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's very, very clever of them. And again, I can't wait to see how they use it. We're obviously going to know a lot more or we'll have a better understanding of where this movie will be going after we see Infinity war, which is like only like three months away. Hmm. Tick tick tick. Uh, it's gonna be crazy.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Our wait, until four months, right? Yeah, three months, three four, whatever it is. It's getting close. It's less than a hundred days. I'm excited, Correct. and it's gonna be our longest podcast ever. I, I don't know about that, but it it'll be a long one.
1: I'm I'm certain by the time the the second part the second part of this the arc comes around, we will be laying out hour
0: long, you know,
1: decipherings and musings <laughs> of it for sure.
0: Hopefully. I mean, I'd love to do that. So, But that's all we have for this episode. That's all the news. That's our review of Maze of the Death Cure as well. Next week, we'll be back as well with something. Yeah. Who knows? We don't. Point. Not us. Maybe you guys know. We don't. It's a surprise to us. It's a surprise to you guys. Um, there's nothing really going wide this next week that is um, big enough or is that interesting right to want to cover i mean there's like the winchester house or whatever but it's like i don't want to see a helen mirren jason clark horror movie like uh, helen
1: mirren is a boss though i mean the
0: movie looks okay so i'd be like worst case scenario maybe we'll do that but like maybe we'll do a retro review we haven't done one of those in forever it's true um or maybe we there's just so much news we don't have time for one and you know that that's a possibility because maybe maybe we get the solo trailer and we have to talk about that for hours.
1: Preempting the Super Bowl clash, I mean, you're not going to get anything up until the run up, so maybe Lucasfilm does go for it it's tomorrow. It's possible,
0: and uh, who oh, man, if that after that point, I mean, who knows? I would not be shocked if we wake up Pro Bowl Sunday to.
1: When I'm not w- sure if when you're listening to this, Good Morning America hasn't already put out the solo trailer
0: in. Are we going to be talking about a solo trailer next week? I think we're going to be talking about it. That it that actually happened.
1: That it actually happened. we've seen it with our we've eyeballs. we've seen it on an emergency pod coming to you Wednesday.
0: Oh, so we're going to double dip.
1: Probably. I don't know. Well, do I'm, just, I... I'm guessing here.
0: There are no consequences. <laughs> there are. But if that's the case, you'll hear that as well as the latest episode of The Big Question where we're going to be discussing the Oscar nominations because those came out this week and we don't have time to cover all of those plus all the news plus reviews so we're going to throw it into the big question basically asking did the academy get it right
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: spoiler alert not everything and yeah. we're going to talk about the snubs the the movies that were uh hyped up maybe too much and uh all that jazz um you know in our big question so be sure to be on the lookout for that in uh couple of days, depending on when you listen to this. It's gonna be out on Wednesday, so be sure to tune in. Um, and if you subscribe to us, you'll automatically get it down to your phone or whatever you however you listen to your podcast, so that's a great way to keep up with us. And if you like this episode, if you haven't already, subscribe of course, and then go share, retweet the episode, whatever it is, however you gotta spread it, just do it and then head over to iTunes and give us a five star review as well. That's all we have for this episode. You can find us on Twitter and tell us your thoughts by tweeting us at friends and film you can find me personally on twitter at movie cooper and coops underscore hoops
1: and you can argue with me josh it's just joshua
0: ryan and thanks again for today and to the friends of film podcast josh boss baby for best picture no and be sure to return next week for whatever we do